Perhaps at no time in our lives have our hopes for the new year contrasted so starkly with our experience of the last year. I was thinking about that when I looked back at the beginning of 2020, I don't even remember really what I was expecting or thinking or hoping for, but I can tell you this, that it definitely turned out a whole lot differently than what I was expecting and certainly what I was hoping for. And I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. You think through all the things that have happened, and I know that people have faced some incredible things relationally, financially, in their work, uh, you name it, in health in some cases, family situation. There's just all kinds of turmoil and upheaval, which we've talked about before. And so as we start the new year, I was thinking about what can I do to give encouragement and what can I do that will help us to make this year, this coming year, better than the previous year. And the reality is that we really hope that our circumstances will change. We really hope that things will get better, but we don't necessarily have any guarantee of that. And so what can we do that is going to make this year better no matter what? No matter what we face, no matter whether things get better or things get worse, how can we still make sure, is it possible even, to make sure that this year is going to be better than the last? And it got me to thinking about a passage that we looked at just a couple of weeks ago, and that was the passage in Daniel about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I've been thinking about that ever since we looked at it and preached, and I preached on it because there was a pattern there that I pointed out at that time, but has really stuck with me over the following weeks. And the pattern is one that you can see not just in that passage, but throughout the scriptures. And I'm going to look at a different passage in New Testament versus Old Testament, Apostle Paul versus prophetic uh, book of the Old Testament. But it's the same pattern. And I think that this pattern will hold the key to allowing this year to be better for everyone who is listening, if you will apply it, no matter what circumstances we face in this coming year. So I'm gonna go ahead and give you the bottom line, which is this pattern that I noticed, and then we'll look at it a little bit more in depth. And that is, he can, he will, even so. He can, he will, even so. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it's the confidence that God can intervene, that he can do the things that we're asking him to do, that we're, he will protect and provide refuge and save and redeem and whatever we are asking. It's the confidence that he can do those things, but beyond that, that he will that he uh, is for us and he wants what's best for us and that he's going to act accordingly. But then that last one, even so, even if things don't turn out the way that I expect, even if our circumstances don't change, even if they, those circumstances actually get worse, it's still possible to have that kind of confidence and to draw close to the Lord and to follow him wholeheartedly. Remember I said I got this pattern and originally we started thinking about it recently with Daniel. It's the words of 
the three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they are facing a death sentence. They have not bowed down to this idol that Nebuchadnezzar set up. They've been called to account because of it. And this is what they said. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. In other words, they're expressing their confidence. God can save us. He is able. He has the ability. He has the power to save us. And beyond that, they express their confidence that he will, in fact, save us. It says in the next verse, he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. In other words, he is able and he is willing. He is stronger than the king and he is able and willing to save and rescue from the power of the king. But then they sum it up like this with an even so. He says, but even if he doesn't, if he doesn't save us, even though he's able, if he doesn't come through like we hope and expect him to do, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. In other words, we believe that he can, we believe that he will, but even so, even if, no matter what circumstances we face, we are still going to serve the Lord. So they express that. He can, he will, but even so. He can, he will, even so. Now, fast forward. Hundreds of years later, the Apostle Paul is writing, uh, in part, a thank you letter to the church at Philippi. They have sent a gift to him to help provide for his needs. And in the midst of writing this thank you, he says this, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. That's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. In other words, uh, things may go well, things may not go well. 2020 may be better than this year, or 2021, we hope, will be better than last year. But whatever the circumstances, I can be content. And that word content means to be satisfied, to be at peace, to be at rest with whatever circumstances we face. So, so often we think that our circumstances determine whether or not we can be content, but it is actually possible to be content to be at peace, to be at ease, to be satisfied, whatever your circumstances. So today, we are going to talk about contentment and how you can find that place where the Apostle Paul found himself that he can be content whatever the circumstances. So let's look at the larger passage that we are uh, focusing on today. This is Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 20. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 20, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Again, this is in part a thank you letter, which you'll see as we read through. He says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. In other words, he's saying thank you for expressing their concern through the gift that they sent. And he says, that showed that you were concerned. And I know that it wasn't because you were not concerned, but you didn't have the opportunity to show it until now. Verse 11. 
Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the first ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. In other words, he's not doing this to try to prompt more giving. He says, rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. I want you to get the recognition for what you have done. Verse 18, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gift you sent, with, you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for preserving these words that the Apostle Paul wrote so long ago. I thank you for his example in finding contentment in you, regardless of his circumstances. And I pray, Lord, that you would show us through your words, through him, how to do the same in our lives as well. Lord, I pray that you would speak through your Holy Spirit to the hearts and minds of every person who is listening and watching to do what only you can do in applying it specifically to their circumstances, that they will hear exactly what they need to hear from you in this moment, in this hour, in this day, for this year. I thank you, Lord, that I have that confidence that you are at work in everything that we do and that you are working for the benefit of everyone who is listening, and that as a result, you will receive the credit and the glory for the good that is done. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, so let's look at it again. The pattern that we see in the scriptures, including this one, including the passage in Daniel, is that he can, he will, and even so. He can, he will, and even so. So let's look at first, he can. The Apostle Paul expresses his confidence that God is able to provide. He's able to come through. He is able. So it says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He says, whatever I face, I have the strength that I need to get through that situation because God has given me that ability in 
I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, this is a very particular situation he's dealing with. He's not saying I can do anything I want, anytime, anywhere, that I just have to say a little magic prayer or follow a particular formula. That's not what he's saying. He's saying I have the ability to be content. I can have that peace. I can have that satisfaction. I can be okay no matter what I face. And how can I do this? I have that ability because Christ gives me the strength that I need. We do not know what the future holds, but we do know that whatever we face in the future, God is able to give us the strength so that we will be equal to the task, so that we can meet the need of the moment. And so, we have a lot of uncertainty. We don't know exactly what's going to happen next, but we can be certain and sure that God will be with us and that he is able and willing to give us the ability to do everything that we need to do through Christ and through his strength that he provides. So God is able, his strength is sufficient for whatever the moment calls for. He can. But he also, the Apostle Paul, expresses his confidence that God will provide, that he will do whatever is needed, that he will meet the need of the moment. This is what it says in Philippians 4.19. He says, and the same God who takes care of me, he's just given his testimony that God has provided for him and provided everything that he needed in the moment will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches. He has the confidence because what God has done and promised and he's experienced that for the rest of his brothers and sisters in Christ, that they will have the same kind of experience. They are pulling and able to pull from that same source, that same resource, which is the God who takes care of me. He will supply all of your needs through his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Part of your heritage, part of your inheritance, part of your family benefit of being in the kingdom of God and the family of God is that all of the riches and resources of Christ, all of his strength is available to you in Christ Jesus. More on that in a minute. So. We'll, we see that God is able, he is willing, and yet there's that even so, even so. I think it's really, it's really funny if you read this carefully and you notice he's saying, I've got everything I need. I am content. I have uh, more than I need. But then look at the way that he describes his life. He says, not that I was ever in need. Now, when you read that at first, you would think, okay, that means he's never been in need. He has everything he needs. These gifts keep coming in. He has more than he needs, he says at some point. So he's never experienced a lack. He's never experienced being in need. It's just been one happy trail all the way along. But then look what he says right after that. He tells a different story. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever. Now, not being in need and then whatever, that's a little bit of a contrast, but look at what he says as he goes on. I know what it is to be in need. 
He's saying, not that I'm in need, but I do know what it is like to be in need. He's not saying, I've just lived this charmed life where nothing bad has ever happened and I've never experienced any kind of lack. He says, no, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've experienced both. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Well, what kind of situations have you faced, Paul? whether well-fed or hungry. Very few people I know have ever gone hungry out of need. The Apostle Paul says, I know what that's like. Whether living in plenty or in want. Very often, you know, there's some things that I want that I don't need, but I've never really been in want. And that's the kind of thing that the Apostle Paul is describing. So he says, you know, I am not in need, I'm, in, I'm content, even though I have been in need, even though I have gone hungry, even though I have been in need, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. How is it, you know, I'm, even so, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I have plenty or I'm in need, whether things are going well or things are going dif with difficulty, I'm going to lean into Christ. I'm going to depend on His provision. And so, I know that He can. I believe that He will. But even so, I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus is going to be number one. I'm going to lean into Him. I'm going to depend on His strength. I'm going to trust that He will provide. I'm going to trust that He's with me in the highs and lows of life, and I will be content. I will be okay as a result. He can. He will. Even so. And then I want you to notice something. I said I would come back to this, where he says that He's confident that God will provide. He's provided for me. He's going to provide for you. He makes this kind of qualification in the second half of that verse. All of these blessings which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, this is an important point, point, and I don't want you to miss this. All of these promises, all of these assurances that we are talking about were written by a believer to other believers. These are people who have already committed, turned over their life to Christ, entrusted their lives to Him, and therefore He is committed to taking care of them and walking with them. But this is not automatic. And that's why every week when we get together, I'm going to give you the opportunity and encourage you, if you have never committed your life to Christ, turned over your life to Christ, said yes to Jesus, that this is the time. I want you to experience the kind of benefits and blessings that we are talking about, but these are promises made from a believer, from, uh, on behalf of the Lord, to those who are following the Lord. So I'm going to encourage you to say yes to Jesus, to do it right now. Maybe you've been interested, maybe you've been watching online, maybe you grew up in church, but has there ever been a time where you committedly, purposefully, definitely, 
turned your life over to Jesus and said yes to Jesus. We say yes to Jesus. What we're doing is we're saying yes to his forgiveness. We're saying, I want what you did on the cross when you died for the sins of the whole world to count for me. I want my sins to be included in that so that I might be forgiven, so I might have a clean slate and a clear record before God. We're also saying yes to his lordship, that he's the boss, that he's going to call the shots, and that we are going to follow him wholeheartedly. That's what it means to say yes to him. And so, if you haven't done that, today is the day. This is the perfect time. As the new year starts, say yes to Jesus and let us know on whatever platform or media that you are watching this, medium that you're watching this or listening to this, say yes to Jesus. Uh, click the button if there's an option there. Wherever you are, you can text yes to our church number 603 252550. That way we can celebrate this with you and also resource you for your new life in Christ. And then you can have that confidence belonging to him, being a part of his family, being a citizen of the kingdom of God, that he can provide for you, take care of you, watch over you. You can have the confidence that he will because you belong to him. You can have that confidence and then you can have that determination that even so, you will follow him wholeheartedly. And that's what we see as the Apostle Paul wraps up this passage. The last verse in this section says, Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. In other words, the way this whole thing works is God can, I believe he will, but even so, we're going to live for his glory, and we know that whatever happens to us is going to be for his glory. He's going to get the credit. He's going to get honor for what happens in our lives because that's how we are going to live. All glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. So as we wrap this up, I just want to give you a couple of different ways that you can have that even so kind of attitude that you believe that can't, God can, you believe that God will, but even so, this is how I'm going to live my life, that all glory will go to God our Father forever and ever. Uh, one of the things that I think about is the things that we say. How can we bring glory to God? We bring glory to God through the things that we say. This was expressed in the psalmist, uh, Psalm 19, verse 14, says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. When things don't go well, we tend to be complaining. We tend to talk poorly. But in if you're living an even so kind of life, then you're going to use your words to bring glory to God. And so this is the psalmist's prayer, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And notice, words of my mouth, meditation of my heart. Why does he say that? Because as Jesus taught, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Whenever I say something that's not right, whenever I'm ungracious with my words, I try to use that 
as a prompt to look at what's going on in my heart. Because if my heart is right, I don't have to worry about the words that I say because it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So that's why the psalmist says, not only may the words of my mouth, but the meditations of my heart. Let's meditate in our heart. Let's set our thoughts right. Let's attune them to God's word. And then we won't have to worry about the words that we say. I, I love this and I felt like throwing this in there because it's something that sometimes we just, we, we say we're joking or we say, you know, we don't take our, our words seriously. Look at this from Proverbs. This is Proverbs chapter 26 verses 18 to 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. So he's setting up a simile. Okay, th this is like some crazy person, a maniac who is just firing off uh, arrows and throwing around burning logs and causing death everywhere he goes. What kind of dangerous maniac is this? What, who is this? Look at what it says. Is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking, just kidding. If you uh, are not careful with your words, you can cause all kinds of destruction. And even in our joking, sometimes it reveals what's really going on in our heart. So don't be that crazy person. And then I love this. This is a verse definitely worth memorizing. Ephesians 4.29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. If you're going to be living for the glory of God, no matter what comes your way, your words are going to bring glory and honor to God. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That's the gross, stinky, disgusting. That's what unwholesome means in this context. So instead of, you know, the stuff that belongs in the trash can, what are you going to do? But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Here's the filter to run your words through. Is it helpful? Is it edifying? Is it meeting a need? And is it beneficial? And so that's one way that we can live that even so kind of life. Whatever comes our way, we believe that God can rescue. We believe that he will redeem the situation. But regardless, even so, we're going to live a certain way. And that has to do with our words. Another thing, uh, and this, you pull this out from Philippians chapter 4 again. Let's look at verse 10 again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. You've always been concerned, but you didn't have the chance. Here points out something that happens in every believer's life. You are going to have opportunities to bless others, to do good for others. And what the Apostle Paul is hinting at is something that Jesus taught, which is that a follower of Jesus, whenever they have the opportunity to love or serve others, they're going to take it. Here's what Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In the verse right before that, he gave that one command that sums up the Christian life, 
love one another as I have loved you, so you must love others. And then he says in the next verse that that's the distinguishing characteristic of his followers, their love for one another. And how do we do that? Well, one of the ways that we do that is when we have the chance, we bless others. If we see a need, we fill it. Luke 10, 36 is the conclusion of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now remember this, uh, he was asked, Jesus was, who is my neighbor? We're supposed to love our neighbor. Well, who is my neighbor? And then he tells about a person who was a Jewish man who came under attack, robbed, beaten, left for dead. And then a Samaritan comes along, binds up his wounds, takes care of him, delivers him to a place of safety, and pays for his healing and his lodging. And so here you have these two people who would have been at each other's throats. You think about the, the different ways that our world is divided up today, politically, racially, uh, socioeconomically. I mean, these two would have been at each other's throats in any other normal situation. But in this situation, the Samaritan comes forward to help, to rescue, to redeem. And so Jesus asked, now which of these three, because there were three people that came by, only one of them helped, was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And so the person who had asked the question replies, the one who showed him mercy. The one who did something, the one who showed him mercy, the one who acted out of compassion. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. In other words, Apostle Paul, you, you were concerned, but now you've put that concern into action. Jesus, this is how we know that you love other people. When you have the opportunity, when you see a need, you do something about it. And that's the kind of even so living that we're talking about, our words and our actions. And so we believe that God can, we believe that he will, but even so, we're gonna live for his glory. We're going to say yes to his lordship. We're going to love others because it's by loving others that we show our love for God. And if we want to love God, then we're going to love the people around us. So here's my challenge for you as we begin this new year. Let's have this kind of confidence. Let's have this kind of faith that no matter what we face, that we can be content. No matter what we are facing, we are going to have the confidence that God is able to rescue us. We know that he is strong enough. We know that he is powerful. And also we believe that he is good and that he is for us. And we never have to wonder about that because all we have to do is look at Jesus, look at his son giving his life for us on the cross. That once and for all settled the issue of whether or not God was for us, whether he loved us, because he sent his son to die for us. He can, he will. But even so, 
Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, prayed that God, his Father, would rescue him, would make some other way for his will to be accomplished, rather than going through the pain and suffering, the rejection and humiliation of the cross. And yet, he did not. That was God's way of accomplishing his purposes. And Jesus himself lived this. He knew that God was able to rescue him. He believed that he would chart a course through those next 24 hours that would be for his benefit, for his redemption, for his rescue. And he yet said, not my will, but yours be done. I'm, I, you, the, 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 the suffering and pain that I'm going to go through is going to result in the redemption of many. And that this circumstance, this pain and suffering is going to be redeemed by the purpose of the rescue and redemption that it will accomplish. Even so, not my will, but yours be done. And so the scriptures say that if we are following Jesus, that we're going to walk in his steps. We're going to live that same kind of life, that even so kind of life. And so I'm going to ask you as a challenge for this week to do at least one even so action in this coming week. Do one at least even so uh, kind of action in this week, that we're going to use our words, we're going to meet needs, we're going to live for the glory of God regardless. We're going to live that way whatever the circumstances. We're going to love others. We're going to give of ourselves for others. We're going to say things that are helpful and edifying and meeting needs and beneficial to those who listen because that's the kind of life that we are called to live. We have the confidence that God can. We have the belief that He will. But we are going to live for His glory, even so, even if, no matter what. And in the process, we will experience that contentment, that peace, that satisfaction of knowing that He is with us and that because of His strength, we are sufficient to whatever the day brings. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are willing and able to rescue and redeem whatever we face. And I thank you, Lord, that even so, even if things don't turn out the way we expect, even if it seems like in the moment that you are far from us and that you are not answering our prayers, that we can nevertheless be confident of your goodness, your kindness, and your purpose in the midst of whatever we face. And so I pray, Lord, that our focus would be on an even so kind of attitude, that we are, will have a dogged determination to live for your glory, to love one another, to use our words and everything in our resources to leverage for your good, for 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 your glory and for the good of those around us. I thank you, Lord, that you make it possible to live that kind of life. And I pray, Lord, that we will experience that, that as we go through our week, 
that you will point out ways that we can live that way for your glory and for the benefit of others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.